Welcome to Primetime Conversations. Here's your host, James Tunstall. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. And today we've got a very special guest, someone I've been a fan of for many years, uh, someone I'm hoping to see in the UK pretty soon once the pandemic is finally over. But he is a shock magician, the one and only Mr. Dan Sperry. Dan, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. What's up, folks? Awesome. It's uh, yeah, uh, this pandemic. It's uh, <laughs> I I try not to talk about it, but it's something you just cannot avoid because it's just been such a life changing event for everyone in every field. Uh, how's it been for yourself? I know last year must have been pretty brutal. Yeah, um, yeah, like like most people that uh, you've probably spoken to that are in entertainment and such. Like, yeah, it was uh, uh, a a a. a a pretty uh crazy you know time for everybody of course but usually like entertainment in in a lot of ways is the first thing to go away the last thing to come back in in that aspect but it's the one thing people really want more of in in you know historically speaking like the, in times of like the when there was like the depression and stuff that it talks about that's when yeah. vaudeville like really flourished and whatever right and things like that and so uh, it's kind of it's 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 weird. It's it was it's, so it's it's a weird kind of balance, I guess. You know, people now coming back to that there. You know, people are able to go back to work for the most part, uh, and uh, and such. But then once you know they're going back to work, now it's like everybody's too scared of of going to places. So people that are in like my field or the field of entertainment, trying to uh, you know put on a show or or doing an event, it, it's it's still very difficult for us because people either don't want to. Uh, come or there's you know uh, you know some sort of vaccination you know requirement to where that you know despite where people land and what their opinions are of it it's 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 not it's really not working out great you know because mm. even if you require that people still aren't showing up because everybody knows that even if you are vaccinated you can still catch it and you can still transmit it so people still don't yeah, even you, you can say you know, we will only welcome vaccinated people. It's not helping because people still yeah. know like it's it's going to, you know, transfer. And so it's not doing any favors in that capacity either. So it's still, yeah, it's still kind of, you know, weird, uh, weird time uh, to to be in, in entertainment in, in that way. I mean, a lot of people went to stuff like this podcasting and doing, you know, uh, virtual type, you know, events and, and things like that. But uh, but. It's not, nothing really beats, you know, being being there live and in person, in my opinion, you know. Yeah, I mentioned to you off camera, I just did an interview with uh, the bass player from Sum 41, and uh, we mm -hmm. spoke about it because uh, they didn't do any shows this year even. And yeah. um, and I mentioned to him I saw some bands like Alien Ant Fan do the online uh, gigs uh, playing to a virtual audience. And he said it's something we might have to do in the future. He said, but the thing is, and like yourself, we play off the audience so much, it just wouldn't be the same for us. Yeah. Yeah, it really is weird. I mean, I did do, you know, some virtual shows, but I didn't really chase it or go after it like a lot of people did. Uh, just mm. because it was, it just felt so, so weird to me. And, and, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't fun for me. And so it's kind of like that saying, once it be, if it, if it stops being fun, then maybe there's a problem there so i knew i wouldn't be able to perform the way i like to or in in a way to that i would want to be able to give 
a hundred percent, you know, in, in a way of saying, and so, you know, there's always the other side. People are going to say, well, you should always be doing that anyways. You should just be grateful for, for things. Yeah. Of course, like, of course, all things considered. Yes. But at the same time, you know, yeah, if it starts to become not fun anymore, then the, 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 then you're then, in dangerous they, water, you know? Yeah. And I remember during the, um, the first pandemic when we was in lockdown and I remember listening to the uh, Joe Rogan show, which I watch every week. And he was on about how stand-up shows magic shows for example they should be classed as an essential business because a lot of people needs to go to these places as a stress reliever because especially when especially as they've been locked in all week or for the past months uh, for the months and that so i believe that myself like stand-up shows and magic shows and everything like that should be an essential business because people do need to go out but you said fat people are scared to go out and I've seen that. Um, I think we've spoken. You're a wrestling fan, and when you watch the wrestling today, it's all half-empty arenas because people are scared to go out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, I mean, in in some aspects of, of the entertainment world, where I have uh, friends that work in more like family uh, areas, you know, of of uh, events or productions, you know, and I'm, I'm I know wrestling would probably fall into this, and this is maybe something they're running into. But for example, like like people that I know that work on like Disney Live, for example, or like you know something, uh, you know, <laughs> the Wiggles on Ice or whatever, you know, these shows are. Um, they work for those, but they they've had to cancel their tours because of things, you know. For example, people are too afraid to go out or the mandates of or i think that's the right word where they're basically saying you have to have a vaccination proof of vaccination to get in well families don't want to come because their kids maybe aren't old enough you know to get a, a you know a vaccine or something so they they then they they still can't come so now you're losing you know a family of four or five you know that's five butts in seats you know you start yeah. doing the math that that's how the place gets filled and that's how you know they are able to you know make their make their money and it's it's a it's a weird time yeah for sure right now absolutely and trying to yeah i don't know like trying to do do things yeah virtually with with that in mind even entertainment you know joe rogan makes a good point when he says that i've even noticed i mean it could be it could be one of two things like i've even noticed like people don't maybe remember how to react live anymore you know, it's not that they're not reacting. It's it's like they forget like how to really applaud or that they can, you know, it's you're not we're we're here in person. You're not muted, you know, in a Zoom call or something. You can, you know, release. You can let that out in and and do it vocally uh, in person here. You know, remember how we used to do that, you know, kind of thing um, yeah. or either that or I've just gotten worse and they're just not applauding anymore. So I like one or the other. I don't know. It could be could be either way. I'm not sure. Well, to be fair, Dan, there might be people who's actually enjoying it, not have not having to socialize, because there's a lot of people who like staying in. For for example, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm fortunate in what I do because I work out outdoors and I still socialize with people, thankfully. So, but which is quite good for being a podcaster because I need to speak. <laughs> so I need to, yeah. to speak to people. Um, cool. But uh, yeah. Um, How's it in Vegas now? Because um, I spoke to uh, Rob Van Dam actually yeah, a few months ago. And oh yeah, in, and uh, yeah, oh, cool, cool dude. And uh, he was mentioning how every, like you've said, everything gets. I think this was still uh, this was back in April, I think. And he said the things, a lot of things were still closed down. But uh, 
how's it been lately? I know you mentioned people scared, but is a lot more things starting to open up now, or is there been any yeah Omicron? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of you know they say the mob doesn't like exist and doesn't run Vegas anymore. Like I think that's fucking bullshit. Like I totally <laughs> think that because I think I just got this feeling like after like the first year. Like they got in with all the politicians and went, look, we're going to start opening everything because we can't go through another year without tourism or without, you know, uh, events, conventions. You know, that's how Vegas, you know, makes a lot of its money is having these, you know, conventions and conferences and events, things like EDC and uh, SummerSlam was even here, you know, uh, and, you know, stuff like that. The new stadium was just built. You know, we have a new football team, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So there's lots to there's lots that was put in, you know, to building, you know, Resorts World just opened. You know, a lot of stuff was in line. Uh, Area 15, a huge, you know, events. There's tons of stuff that Vegas was developing. And then this all came down. And of course, you know, everybody played along, you know, initially. But then I think, yeah, I have I have no proof of this. And so maybe I shouldn't talk about it too much. Just watch like someone's going to knock on my door and you're going to see me get pulled out for it. But like uh, like but I, I totally have like this crazy tinfoil hat conspiracy theory that, yeah, like the mob was totally like, OK, we're going to open everything. Like, leave us alone. Like, we're going to, you know, we, we, we can't we can't do this again. We got to start making money for all this new shit that we got, you know. Uh, so yeah, anyways, to answer your question, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's open back up, you know, a bit more like we're, we're not, we don't have to show proof of vaccination to get in anywhere. You, you don't have to, uh, you, you can order at the bar if you want to drink. It's, you, you, you know, you, you don't have quite those limitations. Of course, you know, you got to wear masks when you're indoors somewhere. Uh, but once you sit down, you can take it off, you know, and of course, I'll just say it, like anywhere, nobody's fucking following these rules. I don't care where no. you live. Nobody gives a shit. Like everybody <laughs> is so full of shit. If they say they follow. No, you're not like you're so full of shit. Nobody's following this stuff. So like it's like so here it's definitely the Wild West for the most part still, you know. Right. And uh, speaking about the, uh, the mafia, we will talk about it because it's always a uh, tight, you know, it's closely tied to Vegas. Uh, I actually watched the movie for the first time a few months ago, where Casino, great film. And oh, you uh, only just saw that for the first time. Yes. I mean, I, I guess did. maybe because historically, maybe in the UK, nobody really gives a shit about what happened in I, the desert. You know, I, su- I suppose. Uh, don't get it wrong. I've watched Goodfellas a million times. Off, you know, top of my head, similar films. Uh, obviously, similar yeah. stories. And I watched them. There's a video on YouTube actually. I forgot the name of it. I'll try and send you the link. And it shows you like what things was true in casino and what wasn't it was fairly accurate to be fair but obviously mm-hmm. they've always had those ties to casino and obviously with uh with vegas sorry and with the casinos but like without naming names because i don't want you to get whacked but um <laughs> have you seen anything where you looked at someone's like yeah that's definitely something with the mafia <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, yeah, here in Vegas, yeah, and when I had my off-Broadway show in New York, actually, the guy, he's passed away now, um, I won't name his name because, of course, there is no mafia, right, it was all just a bunch of bullshit, but he was, uh, he was the guy that, he owned the building, but he, like, basically, like, Disney owned this side of the street, he owned that side of the street, you know, like it was like that kind of shit. And so like he owned the building that the venue was in that my uh, that my theater was in. And then I lived in the apartments above it, along with some of the other crew. 
and uh, and he had this. Uh, well, there w- it was this facility that opened up, and it was called Times Scare, and it was like this bar, uh, year-round uh, haunted themed bar with a year-round haunted house that you would go through, and it was you know initially it was themed through like licensing with like Halloween uh, and stuff, and then uh, and then there was my show in there, right? And so uh, I was doing my own show off Broadway in this, you know, in this place and the guy. So that guy that was like the main money guy behind it, he had the building, he had the all the all the stuff. Um, He like it never it never like really like made money like any time we were getting. Well, I mean, I I shouldn't I was just a hired gun. Like so I had no dog in the fight. I still got paid. Yeah. So, and I didn't complain, not complaining now, but like, so this is when I say we, I mean the venue itself uh, was always like never making money, you know, or never kind of digging itself out, but it was always investing so much into new shit, you know, where it was just like, this is something is fucking weird here, you know? And, uh, and I know at one point I was there during the demolition and construction because they were building the theater around, you know, my branding and setup and whatever. And, uh, and one of the guys was like, yeah, you know, the, the, the old man, uh, he, he was like the foreman. Right. So he's like, yeah, the old man like came to me and said, if we pull anything out or open whatever and find anything in the walls and the ceiling, anything that isn't supposed to be there, we're supposed to go to him first and immediately, you know? And I was just like, Oh, I like, yeah, haha, ha, fu- very funny, but no, I think that's fucking real. He was like, "No, nah, that's fucking real." You know, yeah. yeah. Um th- there's stories of the of the guy, but he was definitely he was definitely a mob dude. Like I know he had people killed absolutely without question. Uh he was the he was the porn king of New York City. I'll say that. That if you can look him up, like I said, he's passed away now, but I'm not I don't, I don't want his family that's or whatever coming at me. Now, yeah. <laughs> No, it's definitely interesting. Like when I've watched the scene, I um, love the Sopranos and things like that. I've I've really got into it lately. Like uh, learning about the mafia and the mob, and uh, wow, it's amazing! It's amazing. Like you yeah. mentioned earlier, with things starting to open now, and, and I can totally believe it that it's them getting involved to open because the the main thing they they want is money, and if nothing is open, they're not making money. They're gonna be pretty mm-hmm. unhappy. So I can totally yeah. buy it. If and if they're not open. To make the money, they can't launder the money, right? <laughs> so if they that can't launder sense. their money, what are they going to do? You know. How long have you been in Vegas? Then uh, when did you move there, Dan? I permanently moved here in like 2006, the end of 2006. But I had been oh, wow. coming out for a while before then. Um, I was like a fill-in act for uh, for a guy in a show out here. So when he would take time away. They'd, the producer would fly me in and I would fill his spot and then I'd go back away uh, and such. But I, I moved here permanently then in, in the end of 2006. And then I moved away for a couple of years uh, when I did that off-Broadway show in New York City at that time scare place with the, with the, with the guys. And then, uh, and then I moved back here again when I parted ways with that establishment. Yeah. And... Like moving to Vegas, obviously we've all grown up and we've watched uh, obviously Ocean's Eleven and all them type of movies and obviously all the classics with like Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, for example. So yeah, did did it like really hit you when you got there and you saw the big bright lights and such? 
I mean, no. I mean, I so I, I've been a big Frank Sinatra fan for like ever, right? Like I, I, I got like tons of like memorabilia. I got like a whole like wall in my house here of all sorts of stuff. But like, um, not as much. So like, I'll compare it like this. I, I grew up in Minnesota, right? But I moved to Chicago first. Right. As soon as I turned eighteen, I moved to Chicago. So like, I felt more of like Rat Pack shit in Chicago than I did here Vegas because it's pretty much all kind of wiped away and eliminated you know even though that's you know historically you know part of it it that sort of feel is gone like now like the casinos you go down the strip and the fronts of them aren't the cool big you know ornate over the top you know entrances that you kind of would remember thinking with fountains and well granted there is still the bellagio right but like anything around it now you know you look uh across the street and now what used to be the entrance to the tropicana where they had this like big like turnaround where limos could come in and pull up now it's like built out to have like i think there's like a fucking you know wall burger right there and a and and a cvs pharmacy and you know so it's built out. It's becoming almost more like Times Square now, yeah. and it's really kind of lost the. I think it's lost the character, you know, that that it had. That that sort of vibe is gone now, and and it just is kind of just like any other touristy place or whatever. I honestly never would have moved here either if I didn't have the gig. I'll make that clear as well too. Yeah. So like maybe I'm a little biased because I've never felt like this is home. I've just kind of just been here, you know. Uh, so. Um, yeah, and especially too, like when all when when I w- was coming here, there were a lot of like the variety type shows, and that's what I was, you know, in as like a specialty act. And those have kind of even gone away now. So you you, you know now you you go see a show, it's not like a variety show of these necessarily you know crazy incredible acts, unless it's something like Cirque du Soleil. But uh, but now it's just you know all bruno mars is here and you know and lady gaga it's the same shit you can see in san diego or in la or you know whatever uh a lot of that a lot of that uh uniqueness i think is is gone unfortunately but you know not my monkey not my circus what are you gonna do (laughs) so um i suppose uh like you've said on many podcasts uh i listened to a few today actually like how you got into magic but so i mean just like for people who hasn't heard your story, like who would you say was your biggest influences? I think you've said it. Lance Guest was one of your main ones, and Copperfield, obviously. Yeah, Copperfield was uh, and still is. Yeah, big, uh, big influence. Um, oh, I wouldn't say an influence, but was uh, like inspiration. I guess you'd say uh, someone that you know who I saw when I was young that got me into it, and then also just from like a. Uh, um, I think like a, from a just a way to stay relevant, like because you know actors can just go act and play in different you know movies. Bands can put out new albums. You know, magicians. Uh, you know, even comedians. It's it's it, to a degree. It's kind of hard to stay relevant. You know, you kind of think back, and you know, there's very few that were able to maintain a, a, a relevancy to a degree and and maintain. Uh, a, a rise and once it got to the top stay there you know like a robin williams for example but mm-hmm. then you think of guys though like a dane cook who back in the day here in the states yeah. at least you know could fill an arena but now not anymore you know whereas yeah. you know someone yeah like a robin williams or anymore you know so but those are comedians i'm now let's talk about you know same like things like with you know like magicians 
that they, they they're not it's it, they're not able to do that you know so much and and Copperfield being able to uh, do that and 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 create and present magic in a different way. I mean, the dude won like twenty Emmy awards, you know, like for 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 magic on TV, not even for magic tricks, but just how how it was shot, what they were you know what they were bringing to the table to make a magical experience you know for the viewer i guess you know um so uh, from that standpoint you know uh and uh yeah so copperfield but then you know then there's other guys just like anything you know comedians or wrestlers or uh bands or whatever you know i could name some people but they're all pretty you know unheard of and most of them are are no longer here <laughs> they're, they're deceased so doesn't you know can't even say go check them out at this place because they're they're not there yeah one guy, he kind of changed the game a little bit uh, when he first came onto the scene. He was like the hot young guy, I suppose. And he, he's still doing good shows, I would imagine. Uh, David Blaine, um, do you have cross paths with him much? Or... Yeah, yeah. Um, I had been, I had never really had um, a lot of like direct influ- uh, influence, interaction with David Blaine. Um, but we kind of ran in a similar circle, not in a similar circle, but like uh, we knew a lot of the same people, right? We were tight with yeah. the same little group, right? Um, and uh, and then he was doing something. He was doing some stunt once, and he he they were inquiring about something with birds, and they'd hit me up, but it didn't it didn't end up happening because uh, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked. But uh, yeah. and then but but I never spoke with him directly. It was always just through our mutual buddies, right? Yeah. And then. Uh, and then I, but and he also never done shows. He had just done TV specials and like private, very exclusive, high end, you know, like VIP events and stuff. But yeah. it was a few years ago he started building a live show, and 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 that's what he went out and toured with and such, and uh, to to a lot of success, you know, because it's like it was kind of like you know when Prince didn't tour for forever, and then you know he just kind of made music in his weird little studio and became Mormon or something, and. Uh, and then he finally started doing concerts again, and it was like, holy shit, right? So, um, kind of like that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, two of the guys were always stayed on top, obviously, uh, Penn and Teller, and you was on the full bus, and uh, I watched it again today, actually, and it was a great spot, and you, your chemistry with Allison as well, Allison Hannigan, uh, was really great. And Thanks. It was, it was always going to be so hard to fool them, but your trick was great, but... What's it like being on Fours and obviously Penn and Teller? I like besides yourself, I would say Penn and Teller is probably my favorites. I would say, um, I do love them. Uh, what was it like yeah. being on the show and uh, I suppose talking to them? Uh, it, w- it was cool. I had known uh, Teller very little, but uh, if, for, for a while we had known, known each other a bit, um, but not, not so much, uh, you know directly deeply personally you know it's not like we were having thanksgiving together but uh we, we had known each other and 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 corresponded and i'd seen the show and you know been backstage and chatted whatever so we had a pre-existing interaction and knowledge you know of each other uh you know respect uh, respectful high level acquaintances i wouldn't even say friends you know um yeah. <laughs> but uh but pen i had never had any interactivity with but uh but a weird backstory is my mother's brother so his wife's brother, okay, so uh, my aunt through marriage, her brother 
had a comedy duo called Puke and Snot. He was, I think, Puke. I can't remember. But they were like yeah. these really raunchy, disgusting pirates. And they would tour Renaissance festivals, uh, there, which are huge over here. Uh, I'm, yeah. I doubt they're that big for you guys. You guys just walk across the street and there's a fucking castle and it's not a big fucking Pretty deal. Pretty much, yeah. But, over, but yeah, but over here, like, it's, you know, fucking a big deal, right? Lots of versions, but big deal. And so... Uh, they were touring these Renaissance festivals, and there's a huge one in Minnesota. Funny enough, the coffee mug I'm drinking out of is from the Minnesota State Renaissance Festival. So th- this is a huge Renaissance festival, and Penn and Teller opened for Puke and Snot, and that's how they got their start. Weird, you know, weird wow. story. So my aunt's brother was tight with Penn and Teller when they were starting out because him and his comedy partner gave them the opportunity to open for them for several seasons and, and go on the road and stuff. So it was crazy small world. But anyways, yeah. So working with Penn and Teller though, that th- I knew going in, I wasn't going to fool them and I didn't mm-hmm. have uh, that intention either. I just needed a platform to sort of showcase myself as a springboard yeah. because uh, at the time I had been with a company um for like five years and uh, had been touring with them uh, for the last three years of that five year situation, basically 10 months out of the year. And, uh, and it was, it was keeping me, you know, uh, it, it, it allowed me to pay off my house. So I'm not trying to say it didn't come without its blessings, but it came with a lot of darkness that I didn't want to be around and deal with and uh and so i i wanted to quit and do other things and so uh but i had been tied up with this show a lot of the agents and and people that i worked with almost had stopped calling me because they just knew i'd be unavailable because i was going to be off you know i'm off on the road you know all the time and so um because i was exclusively with this one show right and i was an act of this in this show one of several and so uh so I wasn't, and, and that had its own limitations. I, you know, I wasn't able to do what I normally do, how I normally do it, you know? So uh, someone had, uh, a fan had described it to me as they, it, uh, they, it, they, they had been watching me pace inside a cage for the past several years, you know, because of the, the limiting was starting to even ooze out unintentionally in the thing, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so I had been, yeah, with them. Uh, and, 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 and so quitting that and quitting that company and needing an opportunity, yeah, to just get back out there on a platform, uh, I knew that would be a good one or, or a a good, a good option because of, uh, the network it was on and the, the platform that it was, you know, to, to try to fool them again, like I said, I knew I wasn't going to fool them, uh, but I knew I, I at least had a feeling that. Um, because of how it's presented, you know, I could get a lot of time because of how they make their packages. You know, they do the intro package, you get your, your TV set. There's going to be some deliberation, which is, you know, uncommon in a lot of these, you know, contest type shows, right? I do this because most of them are bullshit. And so, uh, so that's time, you know, and so just looking at it saying like, okay, normally if I was going to do a spot on a TV show, I might get three minutes. I could have upwards of nine potentially you know with this spot and and again get showcase get good uh get a good clip you know of of whatever act i was gonna do and and etc you know uh and with already having a basic uh relationship with teller a little bit with pen but barely you know any 
um, I he I don't think Penn even ever remembered meeting me, you know, before. Uh, so it was like that level, and so but just knowing that these guys are are seem to be cool and pros and could could I could work with this, you know, and so in in the end yeah. it turned out uh, to be a, a very nice uh, surprise. I mean, I did save some things, like you know, when I have to rehearse it right with the director and some of the other folks. Um, so uh, we have to do like a blocking walk through so that, you know, the cameras can find, you know, where they should be to this and that. Um, not in front of Penn or, and Teller, though, but you know what I mean? Um, just for those that need to be a part of it. And you're supposed to go through your set. Well, I didn't go through it completely because I didn't want to give away uh, anything. I wanted to keep some secrets to get genuine reactions. So like they didn't know. Like some of the stuff with the blood, they didn't know. Like some of the, like they didn't know I was going to be wearing a bra, you know, things like that. Yeah. So like I had all these little things hidden. So because just in case, you know, because I don't know what they're talking about behind the scenes. So I I wanted still to provide something for the production people to be caught off guard. You know what I mean? So uh, and so then just. And I had never met Allison. I didn't even block it with Allison. They, I think it was just a, a, a mop in a bucket, you know, was supposed to be oh, my wow. Allison. <laughs> it was something like that primitive, right? <laughs> so, um, and so I had, I had no idea about anything about her. I know she was on like Buffy for a bit or something. And I know she had done mm -hmm. uh, the, the American Pie, you know, uh, yeah. movies, which I was never into anyways, uh, you know. Um, so I didn't really know anything about her, you know. And so I, I was not sure how this was going to go. And also, I don't even have TV, right? So I had never seen an episode of Fool Us except anything I could catch on YouTube. And I wasn't actively watching it either. So, I mean, I was just kind of familiar with the with the way the show went, right? And then, uh, yeah, and then it was just like uh, a divine uh, intervention that everything just unfolded as perfectly as it did. Like, none of that was set up and none of it was... Uh, you know, rehearsed or scripted or anything like that. That was just all all of us coming together, me, Allison, Penn, and you know, all coming together and just working. It just unfolded uh, perfectly, just divine intervention. It's the only way that could have happened because I've never, uh, you know, had anything go so perfect with such little, you know, to no preparation or or anything for, for mm. especially for a TV, one and done. You know, you only get one chance to, to do it, you know, we're, so don't screw it up and, you know, make sure it goes to, you know, to tape and, and to have it just unfold that, that perfect. That was, that was great. And, and it was because of, you know, other people too, like Allison and stuff. And, and she was genuinely disturbed by that. Uh, I later found out that now, now she has to um, be uh, not, maybe not given away, but at least clued in on what she's going to be participating in when they use her whereas before it was just hey allison we're going to use you for that spot okay now she needs at least uh, a basic understanding of what's going to be required of her uh, or she won't do it you know because she was really disturbed by that spot that we did um and uh and i later found out too that they play that that they still play my clip when they're taping uh foolish they play it right. for the studio audience so that they can get reactions for cutaway shots. So, so some, so now if you're watching some people and then they're getting a gross reaction, those people might not be reacting to what they're watching on on TV. It just might be an uh, an edited copy of of reacting to me in my uh, polka dot bra or something, maybe.
<laughs> yeah, and like obviously whoever wins gets the show in that, but I've always found with these type of shows, the main thing is to stand out and they done for us over here in the UK. And the one guy, and I think he ended up in Vegas. I don't know if he's still there now, but um Piff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because he did AGT here. And uh I think he I, I think he went to the semifinals. I'm not sure. Obviously he didn't win. But he yeah, did all right. But he got his first uh, before he did AGT. He yeah, that's right. He did fool us, and that kind of really launched virally for him. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, but yeah, it's standard now, and uh, yeah, and uh, you've referenced it a few times. So I'm going to ask the illusionist, and that's the first time I actually saw you. It was, um, well, it was 2011 or 2012. Uh, okay. You done a TV special over here in the UK. Um, yeah. Stephen Mulhern was presenting it. Uh, I'm trying to think what year it was. Might have been 2012, 2013, because I know it was um, the year before I got married. And uh, it was the first time I spot you. And um, like once I watched it, I was like, wow, this guy's good. And the one part, and it just amazes me to this day, is when you've got the uh, the cloth, uh, the handkerchief, and you just like turn your head quick, and there's obviously, you, you know, you came. And oh, yeah. Watched, yeah. Yeah. I, I watched that, and... I turned to my mother because my mother likes magic and stuff like that. And we're watching it and I'm turned to her and I'm like, how the fuck? <laughs> and yeah. she's like, I don't know. But you've referenced it a couple of times. So obviously you had a long run with them, but it sounds like towards the end, or I don't know how early on, you mentioned you felt like you was restricted and you needed to get out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was just, uh, it, it became not what I originally signed on to do, in a way. You know, the original concept and the original presentation uh, was really exciting and really, you know, cool and, and interesting. And and we were all, uh, the, the original five of us were all involved in, in in trying to find a way for us to all interact together and and sort of weave this really cool way of presenting it and we kind of got there a few times you know and then you know it's like what do you do i don't know what i would do you know if i was in the producer's position but uh once you know the opportunity to go to broadway and tour in north america and stuff happened you know th then other investors get involved and when other investors get involved you know more hands are in the cookie jar and the more hands that are there you know might not like how the cookies taste and want to change the recipe you know and so then uh that started happening and when those people came in they maybe weren't used to how some people functioned or operated you know in real life compared to who they are on stage right and uh and maybe maybe some uh yeah there, you know there might be some rumors that got started like you know like i think they thought i was on heroin at one time or something i remember and it, you know then it's just like then it just got to be icky and stupid um and uh and yeah so i mean the show just just wasn't yeah it wasn't it didn't become what i what i had signed up for and then just yeah some people either either some people change or maybe these were the people who uh, they were the whole time and not who i thought uh you know sort of stuff and this kind of it kind of fizzled into a, a, a you know disappointment like the the phrase i use a lot not necessarily for this but you know uh, you've probably heard it before when someone says the party is getting crashy the yeah. party's getting crashy time to go you know 
Is any of the, because uh, I haven't kept up with it now for a couple of years, but is any of the original people still on the show? Has it all been changed now? I don't know. Um, I, I, I know very few. Uh, I think uh, I think Kevin still works with them. Kevin James, yeah. the inventor. And yeah. uh, and I believe Andrew Basso, the escape artist, still does. Yeah. But uh, but uh, I know myself. Uh, I, I think I well, Brett, you know, from the original group, I, I, I was uh, not the first one to go, but one of the. One that. of the first ones from the original core that stayed the longest, I think, you know, and like Hobson, uh, he left and he has his own theater now in California, which is cool. Like his oh, own cool. little like club theater that he opened, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Other guys doing like Philip Escoffi, the mentalist he's doing. Uh, he, I, I know he helped write stuff for like Darren Brown and he writes stuff oh, for well. TV shows a lot and stuff, too. Uh, so, you know. It's like when it's like when bands, you know, go and do their own thing or whatever. Yeah. You know, or like, I don't know, you know, so, or like in wrestling, some of us are just back on the indies, you know. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Well, we'll talk about wrestling then. Um, and I think that's the reason being you start following each other because I followed you, and I think because uh, my show's name was that '90s Wrestling Podcast, and uh, yeah, and, you followed yeah. That. and uh, obviously now I've changed the concept of the show and. Still got some wrestlers at on. At the time, I had just like stumbled upon your stuff. I can't remember how, but like uh, I didn't even know. I don't think at that time yet that you had seen my stuff on TV or anything. I don't. I don't think so. Or if you uh, had I, sent me a message with that, I didn't see it right away. Yeah, no, uh, I've been watching your stuff for years. No, I started the podcast uh, last year during lockdown, and basically I was sat at home for three months and I had nothing to do. I'm like. Well, I like wrestling. I might as well start a podcast. And um, originally, it was, and I still do it now. It's uh, reviewing nineties WWE pay per views and talk yeah. about with all my friends. And uh, we have a good time doing that. And then eventually started uh, interviewing wrestlers. And it's been surreal. Like I mentioned, uh, interviewed Rob Van Dam. If you said that to me two years ago, I'd be like, "Yeah, that's crazy." And yeah. you, you can't, you can't ever get starstruck. And like I've had like. Eric Bischoff on the show and a few. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm uh, loving the 86 weeks podcast. Actually, you know, I know people think like Conrad Thompson. He's getting to be a bit much with all these fucking podcasts. Every few days, he's got a new one. But uh, but man, I I actually, I my my favorites are actually the Jeff Jarrett, uh, my world one. Interviewed him a few months ago. Oh, you did, man! I I love Jeff. I fucking hated him when I was a kid, and not even idea. Yeah, but like, but like, 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 go home heat, like level uh-huh. of hate. Like yeah. this guy has, like, this guy's just a unlikable motherfucker. Like, who is like daddy's boy? You know, like, it's just like he used to like, ah, uh, he just wound me up. And like now, like, and I think Conrad had even said the same thing. Like Conrad had just this, this like despisal of 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 Jeff Jarrett. And now it's like, dude, this guy's actually like really like smart, like cool guy. Yeah. Like I love his podcast and the uh, and the 80, 83 weeks. Those are like the two I like to listen to the most, you know. Yeah, I spoke to Double J uh, a few months ago and uh, Diamond Dollar's page, which was fucking crazy. Um, so oh, wow. it's, in the, it's in the archives, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah, by, yeah. by the way, a few people's called me the British Conrad Thompson. I'm like, yeah, I need to shift some bounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it could be what you could be the the British cornet. 
you know, I don't know if that's good or that's bad over there. I don't know. Hey, nothing wrong with Connie. Uh, he, 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 he doesn't care what he says. We'll put it that way. He's loving more hate and he's Marmite, as we call it over here in the UK. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But uh, you mentioned SummerSlam was in Vegas. Did you uh, go to it or was you on the show? No, I wasn't in town for that. Yeah, I was uh, on a gig, so I, I, I didn't go. I had some, uh, I know some friends went uh, and, uh, and had you know a good time I guess you know uh but uh, no did not make it did not make it that uh, to that one yeah it's uh, uh wrestling it's uh, one of uh, entertainments it's uh, it's it's very niche uh, product uh, very niche but uh yeah uh, I've, I've watched it since I can remember I, I, and I've heard you on interview your all-time favorite I think was uh, Bret Hart growing up so uh, I'm a big yeah, Bret, Hart fan. Bret Hart yeah. fan yeah Bret Hart's basically God over here in the UK and in Europe. So, uh, yes, yeah, what's your favorite, favorite memories of Bret? <laughs> Man, you know, I, I remember, like, being a kid, and for some reason it was, like, I, I think the, like, they either, the sunglasses, they either, like, reminded me of, um, uh, oh, my God, uh, from X-Men. Um, Cyclops. Cyclops, jeez, thank you. Uh, uh, you know, from X Men or like uh, uh, or RoboCop, or you know, just sunglasses. I just remember, like, man, if I could get a pair of sunglasses like Bret Hart, like I, I, I would be the coolest guy, uh, and and uh, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll become a millionaire, or I'll have, you know, I'll have, you know, uh, the coolest car. For some reason, it was those sunglasses that was the first thing that I remember just being like, that's a cool guy, you know. And, um, and, and I just always, I, I don't know, something about too, just the sharpshooter was just visually. And again, I'm a kid, right? So I don't know what, I don't know words to describe, but I remember thinking watching the sharpshooter get applied was really like, I didn't, I didn't know what like a, oh shit moment was, you know, yet maybe, but it, it cause it, I, I've just, you could feel this slow build to like uh you know to this like you you know it's like you know starts wrapping the legs and you're like oh shit it, it's fucking here it comes you know and rolls and when he would sink in you know it's like you the sink uh, you, you know it's just it kind of was just as very uh well choreographed i guess i don't know like applied yeah. submission i always loved submissions like when my, my friends and i would backyard wrestle I always wanted to come up with a cool submission because I just I don't know maybe it's because it's just not only is it physically um, overpowering your opponent there's like I think maybe like this emotional and psychological torment behind it you know like it's like being a kid and being forced to uh, say uncle you know I don't know in the UK if you guys yeah. have you, yeah, yeah. you know it's like say uncle yeah. say uncle you know like it's like the grown-up version of say uncle is a submission you know uh, <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, that's like, yeah, I just remember too, like sharpshooter and, and uh, yeah, and that's, yeah, that's what you know, eventually, yeah, really, really got me into, to following more of, of Brett, you know, and, and his career. And then of course, you know, the whole Montreal screw job, you know, going down. And, and at that time I was actually more, I was watching WWEF, whatever, you know, at the time. Um, but I was actually watching more WCW, of course, because, you know, they yeah. had, uh, you know, all the NWO stuff blowing up and, you know, everybody was going over there. So, of course, we're going to watch. Them. 
you know, so I, I wasn't really following so much of what was going on, but I was still aware, you know, of, of Brett and stuff. And then, so you can imagine my excitement and immediate disappointment when Brett Hart came to WCW, uh, you know, yeah, not, but, uh, but yeah. So yeah, Brett Hart. Yeah. yeah one, I, um, I'm, trying to get him on i actually interviewed uh, obviously his daughter's natalia nida and i interviewed um, her husband uh, tyson kid and mm. uh, i said to her i was like please help me get brett he said i'm gonna try james but um i also got another podcast i do with a uh, wrestler uh, renee dupree and um he said that he said i've got brett's email i'm gonna try and get brett he said because i know what you're gonna be like so if i if i spoke to brett i'll just pack in the podcast i'm like yeah it's never gonna be tough this is it now Dude, <laughs> yeah that was great but uh that's awesome but um what uh, you said you watch a bit of today's stuff what do you think to today's wrestling and uh, i suppose you talk about AEW. Uh, what's your thoughts on it man you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say this i know like uh I think Brian last said this, if I remember right. It was on one of the corny drive-thrus or something where he said the best stuff in wrestling is on AEW, but the stuff that they that they fuck up is the worst stuff. And and I kind of have to agree. I wouldn't say it's the worst, but um, but some of it is a bit waka waka. Uh, but uh, I I really I am one hundred percent in all in on AEW. I'm a total AEW mark, um, and. And and I'm 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 in 100. percent You know I I re- I remember I was on the road still quite a bit when they were forming and building up and having the first pay per view in Vegas right and just being like right. man I would you know how cool would that be and then you know seeing that you know here's you know Jericho is coming over and they're build you know it, it was like um you know like almost like uh, a, a band that you know is you know kind of a a relatively famous independent band never got its break finally signed the record deal you know kind of thing so it's like you kind of and and now now it's getting now it's getting radio play and all your other friends are like hey i'm into this band now and it's like motherfucker i've been listening to that band since they start you know so i'm I'm not saying that's how i'm reacting to people that say they're in the AEW, I'm encouraging them to watch. But like, but it's that feeling of like, man, I remember, you know, when it was getting going, and of course, with someone like Tony Khan behind it, it, it how could they really let it fail so quickly if they did? But you didn't know where it was going, you know, you didn't know no. what was gonna happen, you know, because, uh, you know, at the time. You know, obviously they, uh, you know, they didn't have CM Punk or they didn't have, you know, they weren't acquiring in that fashion yet. It was still just a lot of just kind of indie dudes or, yeah, you know, I guess, uh, you know, sprinkling of uh, impact guys and whatever, you know. So so they had, you know, some folks and um, and some of the bigger names, you know, like Mox and Jericho and, you know, Young Bucks and whatever, Cody and, sh- and shit. Uh, but um, but now I think it's I, I think it's it's great. I've been like they're they're uh champion championing them uh you know from the beginning and i like too that that it's not um i just like too that it's privately owned it's not publicly traded like wwe so you don't have a bunch of gay who's blowing in your ear with their stupid bullshit fucking comments you know like stupid opinions that nobody asked for or cared about you know um and and the thing uh... too about it is they're getting talked about you know really uh any nobody i mean, I shouldn't say nobody but you know uh you the people 
I think I, I think it was Simon Miller actually that said this. I'll have to. I'm not. Maybe I don't remember it right. But he said like that's you know doesn't matter what you review, but people are talking about AEW, and even if you're praising them or shitting on people that's where the most listens are coming in on even you know people are want are listening they're keeping their eye on it they don't care what's going down on smackdown or raw anymore even you know it's just Uh, like whatever you know uh so i i think so it's kind of like the uh any press is good press as long as they spell your name right sort of idea i think you know that uh that tony khan's going with and and letting them you know Letting them, by the sounds of it, letting them just have, you know, them being, I guess, the roster have more, you know, freedom with what they can do, what they can say, what they can, you know, get away. Like, even though it was it was ridiculous, unfortunate, you know, it was an unfortunate, you know, uh, thing, but the exploding ring, you know, death, like, you would never see that anywhere, you know. So when Omega, like, first talks about it, it's like, oh, dude, yeah, because these guys, you know, you know, they've you know, toyed with this over in Japan to, you know, to degree, like this would never, when would this happen? This is awesome. You know? And uh, yeah, and then, yeah, unfortunately it shit the bed, but you know, it, it was still just the fact <laughs> that they're doing it, you know, is, is cool. The, the fact that, you know, he, Tony's licensing these uh, songs, you know, so many songs for, you know, these, oh, yeah. these, uh, these acts or, you know, these different uh, wrestlers, characters, whatever you want to call them, you know, uh, the different talent, um, I think that's cool too, and 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 in, in, you know important for sure. You know. Yeah, and uh, I, at first um, I was iffy on AEW. So I, I think it was because I saw Marco stunt, and I was like, "Oh god!" <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but what the fuck? Get go. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but no, no. Uh, and I left it for a few months and I tuned back in and uh, when they started signing a few more people, I'm like, well, I know this person's good. I know that person's good. And when CM Punk came back, that was a big one. I was like, well, CM Punk is finally back. Um, the thing, what I'm, there's only one thing I don't like about AEW. It's the fans, especially on Twitter. They, uh, I'm not, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not using this term loosely, uh, loosely, but they are fucking idiots. <laughs> it's like, They'll just say things, I don't know, Trent Beretta is better than, I don't know, Roman Reigns or someone like that. I'm like, no, calm down. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not, I, when I say, like, I'm a total, like, Mark and Alfredo, I'm not, like, I do see, uh, I, I will yeah. say, I do see the flaws in it, you know, absolutely, you know, and I do see, like, some of, like, oh, God, like, some of the booking, like, there is a lot of stuff, I will say, I know Cornette's, like, out of his freaking mind. But there is some stuff I am totally 100% with him on. Like this this stuff with Rio right now. Like, are you kidding? Rio is like the Marco stunt. You know, like, yeah. are you kidding me? She's basically, like, wearing coffee filters, scotch tape to her wrists. And, like, you know, and, like, this is what you know like when punk was like saying about mjf like this is your guy like i'm like looking at like tony khan and you know the AEW board of who gives you shits you know going like this is your really this is who you're like yeah. going by granted now you know they're 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 getting their women's division you know built up quite a bit and stuff but like rio really really like really okay i <laughs> i don't see it but okay ridiculous hey Hey Dan, if ever I'm thinking about opening up another wrestling podcast, me and you's gonna have to do an AEW review show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried doing an AEW review once, I remember, and 
I, like it, there was just too much. Like I, it would ended up being 40 minutes. And I was like, this is that's edited down. You know, I was like, yeah. there's just too much shit. And so many rabbit holes. You know, the other thing about AEW that is, is a bit uh, is a bit much is there's too much. Like, like, I get that they're excited about like a lot of these layers and long term story storytelling and layering them up and everything. Totally cool with that. Tarantino it up. I don't care. But like, keep it to like the two like programs, you know, like yeah. if I got to start going down YouTube shit and like, uh, what? Like, just keep it yeah. like, keep it easy. Cause I don't even have a regular job. Right. I can't imagine like fans that are like trying to watch this that actually like maybe that someone's like a UPS driver, let's say for example, who mm -hmm. maybe works crazy hours or, you know, Amazon delivery guy. I don't know. And then has, you know, wants you know, come home, wants to watch his wrestling and, and stay up to date with the stories. But now it's like, now I have to go to uh, YouTube and and watch Private Party and Joey Janela, like just to get, you know, a, a start. Not nothing against Private Party and Joey Janela. I'm just trying to think of like a dark, uh, yeah. you know, dark, uh, you know, team that only <laughs> you'll see on dark. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like now you got to sit through some, you know, walk of bullshit just to figure out one nugget of something that the young bucks are prepping to do with Adam Cole or whatever. Like, yeah. Oh my God, just keep it simple for us, please. <laughs> cool. And uh, so going back to magic and someone who's actually had some WWE talent on his show a few, quite a few years ago now, uh, the mass magician. And um, obviously his gimmick, I suppose you could say is that he would reveal the tricks and as someone yourself who's in magic in that. And I would imagine you was quite young as these shows was coming out what's your thoughts when these people were revealing the tricks and what was the thoughts from the magic community in general uh you know i mean initially you know yeah i mean i was pretty young so i wasn't i was not even at a level where that was affecting me you know that would have affected me because i wasn't like actively doing paid shows at that time right so that nothing that he was doing like was, was in, in you know directly affecting me immediately and uh but i was aware of it but i also like was like there was i don't want to sound like now i'm gonna sound like an old man like you know get off my lawn and your rock and roll music's too loud but like there's like and trying not sound like that but i i think i'm gonna end up sounding like it but uh there's in my opinion, there's just a, that that respect of the art. You know, it's it's sort of like I, I hate to keep you know use talking about wrestling, but it's like never break kayfabe, right? Yeah, like yeah. there's just you don't even if it's something as simple as oh here's how it works. You get a paper clip, you tape it down, you take a rubber band, and then you, you that you know if it's something that just ridiculously simple of how a trick is done, you don't just willy nilly give it away, you know. Uh, of course, people put out magic books, magic kits, magic DVDs, magic whatever, you know, uh, <clears throat> and and there's places that are accessible in, you know, major cities. There's magic stores and, you know, online there's magic shops, right? It's just but it's for, you know, though, the, 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 to get that information, people are willingly going through a multi-step process to obtain that yeah. seat right it's yeah. not just a casual audience. Them. Yeah. yeah and whereas uh a lot of that you know so i think because because of that there's been like a a, a loss of respect of the 
art in that sense and respect of the business, right? And again, I'm not trying to sound like an old man, but I think I am. But like, so, so when I was a kid, when The Masked Magician was coming out, I was, I had heard, you know, and I was of, under the understanding of, you know, magicians don't do this. They don't do this. They don't do this. And, and I wanted to be a magician and shit. Like, if I want to be a magician, I got to act like one, right? And so how do I act like one? Well, this is, here's, here's some first couple steps that are literally written out right here. You know, so I guess I'm gonna follow those. You know, and it and it was just it's like the respect of it, uh, and 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 knowing too, like even if it's not something that uh, you know uh, is 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 new, if it's something that's like an old thing, because there's there's unfortunately there's like a, an upswing now because of you know things like TikTok and and YouTube and Facebook. There's a lot of uh, people now giving away magic for clicks, you know, yeah. but it's being, it's being disguised as something else, you know, uh, like pranks, for example. And then before you know it, you're, ex they're exposing a magic trick under the guise of a prank, but it's clearly a fucking magic trick, you know, yeah. and, and, and their, their justification is, is for example, you know, that, well, these are, these are, these are so old magic needs to be updated and and whatever but you know what they're missing is there's only so many things you can do you know <laughs> there's only so many things something disappears something appears something floats something changes places you know you can only there's you're limited only like seven fucking things you know uh and so how that's you know presented of course changes and evolves with time you know you don't see magicians for example borrowing handkerchiefs anymore they don't even borrow money anymore now they borrow your cell phone you know value yeah. has changed as magic has evolved with time because time changes right what people value it used to be if you had a handkerchief with your fucking monogram embroidered in it you were a top shelf motherfucker right and so yeah. so if the magician borrowed that that's like nowadays giving them your iphone 37 or whatever right so that you know that's uh so people saying you know magic needs to to change it, it is changing and it has changed but just because it's not fast enough for you in your opinion you know that just doesn't make sense to me they're just trying to justify their prostitution of of the industry and that's that's too bad because much like you know in the mass magician it it gets exposed without people realizing what they're watching or what they're about to see and now all of a sudden they're privy to you know to it now then it you know comes down to does it it does it sink in is it something that they're going to remember or not i don't know and there's no way of, of telling you know pen and teller for example expose magic when they perform yeah. not all the time but many times their trick their routines are based on exposing now what they are exposing that makes them different than the math magician or uh you know the the uh, the prank video people is that the way they're exposing it is it's a it's a casual exposure artistically choreographed and I'm choosing my words carefully and presented in a way that that is with respect to the art because they they lead you down the garden path because you have now been made to believe that what they exposed is correct which oftentimes it's not they're even giving you a false explanation you know yeah. but you're led to believe that this is how it's done seems plausible 
And then they still they lead you down the garden path with that in mind. And then they turn on the sprinklers, you know. So by the time they've led you to believe one thing, in the end, it's not even that. And you're even more blown away because they're using what they said they were going to do to still fool you. But then they're not even doing that. It's so there's so many layers It's really well put together, you know, so that's there's been, you know, arguments to either side. But that, in my opinion, is is one of the main differences is that, you know, Penn and Teller are still doing this presentation in in a very you know artistic way that has respect to the art and to those, you know, that have come before and and maybe will be coming as well. Because the other thing, too, is, you know, something that might be considered old to one person that's going to expose it for whatever clicks and shares and, you know, and, and monetization. Maybe it's a maybe it's a box that's shown empty and it's closed and all of a sudden uh, five chickens come out. I don't know. Right. Uh, well, they, if they expose how that works, but that's maybe something that's been a mainstay in in certain shows for a long time. This is there's an example of this that has happened, you know. Where now the argument, too, is doesn't matter how old you might think it is. There's somebody out there, more than one even, that maybe doesn't have the means to buy or acquire the fancier new, like, latest, greatest magic that is out there. Or maybe what's being created does not fit this style or or this uh, tricks presentation. And so by exposing it, and and by thinking it's okay to expose it, it's not because now you're you're almost taking the spoon out of this dude's mouth because that maybe is a big part of what he was doing in a routine in his show, and that's how he made his income doing birthday parties or doing libraries or you know just be, there's lots of different levels you know just like musicians or comedians or whatever you know there's you know the pros that are way up top and they can't relate to what's going on down here anymore because it's been so long or maybe they never. Maybe they never even were able to, uh, you know, work their way up because mom and dad paid for it. This happens a lot in magic because magic, unfortunately, is one of the few talents that you can buy. You know, they're they're unfortunately, you know, you there's a lot of people milli vanillying as magicians that aren't, you know, and and to much success because they were able to cut corners or go through, you know, the back door because they were financially you know uh funded by you know mom and dad or something like that so that meant that they could acquire and have you know the best things of whatever where there's a lot of others that don't and so they have to work with what you know what they have and unfortunately they've also been uh victim to you know these exposures and stuff which yeah it just kind of sucks because of of that as well it's not just about you know, exposing the magic trick and, oh, that's bad. It's it's also what what's the damage down the line, you know, that yeah. uh, that you're doing to people that perform for a living or the up and comers, you know, all of a sudden now, you know, because magic is something that you can just buy for the most part. Granted, a lot of the the, the real good shit takes a lot of time, practice and rehearsal and dedication. But there is stuff that you can buy and push a button and, you know, boom, somebody blackout, you know, uh, a bouquet of roses appears inside of an empty vase, you know, haha. And so they can buy that and do that and make it go viral and then uh, expose the secret for another, you know, layer of viral, you know, shit. And they they don't have, you know, they don't have a talent. That's just something they bought, you know, and yeah. that's a, that's a risky 
dangerous, you know, thing to maybe be, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally encouraging or making the future generations think is going to be okay, which in my opinion, it is not. That's a very yeah. long did uh, thing. Sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, it's well said, and uh, we seem to keep going back to wrestling, but it's true. Um, obviously, you know, we're growing up, we realize, you know, wrestling's not, I don't like to say the word fake, but I like to say, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Predetermined or whatever. Predetermined. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so, and we know, obviously, there's kayfabe and stuff like that, but when I see people, say, like, blatantly on TV, like, so fake, you could say, um, but then you get like some people defending it. It's like, well, it's fake anyway. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I know Rocky's fake. But when I'm watching it, I like to believe it's real, that disbelief, uh, you know. And I like to still believe it is when I'm watching it, like watching a TV or movie. So when I'm watching Magic, yeah, I, in the back of my head, I know this rabbit ain't come out of nowhere. But I'm in, I'm in this moment where I want to believe it's come out of nowhere. And I don't really appreciate when people's exposing all these secrets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just supposed to be an escape and and yeah. uh yeah, disconnect from reality and and that. Yeah, that's yeah, very very similar like I was saying, exactly very similar parallels between wrestling and magic actually in that sense, Quite you know. Do you remember the <laughs> the one wrestler, what was he called now? He was in WCW back in the early 90s. Fantas- I know what you're talking about. I forgot his name. It was like Phantasm or something like that. Yeah, like the way. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty rough. I yeah, I do remember him. I don't remember anything about his matches. I just I do remember him though. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he had all kinds of terrible little gimmicks of of uh, you know confetti or something and you know whatever. Just brutal. It was pretty brutal. So we'll get to the uh, final segment of the show, I suppose you say. So it's uh, prime time nine. So basically, hey, it's to give the fans a chance to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to give you like nine different topics and uh, tell me what your favorite one is. So we'll start off uh, your favorite song. Oof, man. I don't know. Okay. Uh, sheesh. Um. That really depends on the mood, you know. When I've uh, when I've been on the boozer, I've been known to uh, to lose my shit for Whitney Houston, uh, oh. dance with somebody, <laughs> you know. But um, uh, but uh, Ramones' uh, "Brain Is Hanging Upside Down" that's one of my favorites, uh, and um, shoot, there, I mean, there's a lot. And my my, I mean, I mentioned you know Sinatra uh mm. earlier you know and so i i like a lot of his stuff so like you know my my appreciation for for music my uh, yeah my choice is very broad got a broad range broad spectrum so it's it's really a lot, you know a lot of different stuff but uh yeah tiffany i think we're alone now that's one of my pre-show rituals uh if that if that's blasting from my dressing room like don't don't knock just come back when the song's over because we're me, me and the birds are throwing down in there, <laughs> you know, trying to get pumped. Whenever that song comes on, comes on now. I don't know if you've seen the movie Ted. I can't help but think of that scene of uh, Giovanni. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've never seen it, but a buddy of mine sent me a a, a meme of that uh, and was like, "This is you." And I, I did look up the scene, and I was like, "Yes, that absolutely is." Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Uh, yeah. favorite movie? Uh, sheesh, man. Um, I like. Um, man, again, these are. I need to make things a bit more easier in the future. <laughs> Dude, I mean, well, see, I, I'm, like, all over. Like, I'm very, like, indecisive with it. Like, I'm going to say one thing today, and then, like, next week, I'll be like, no, because I'm in a different mood now. Like, I'm going to – I'd rather watch that. So it'd be like a tie. Um, there's uh, there's a documentary called American Movie, which is hilarious. It's one of my favorite, like, movies, like, ever. Um, and uh, it's, it's a great documentary. It's hilarious, and I highly recommend it. Anybody if uh, that's listening, if you haven't seen it, look up American Movie. And uh, then I would have to say I like – I think I think Walt Disney, Peter Pan. Yeah. Uh, it would be either that or Roger Rabbit. That's a good one uh, that's oh, yeah. up there. Uh, but I, uh, I'd go with Peter Pan. Then. Awesome. Uh, favorite food? Um, Spätzle is very good. Um, I also like strawberry rhubarb pie. And, um, I mean, I'm a sushi guy. I don't know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, town or city to play in? Tampa. Tampa, yeah. Florida is awesome. I love Tampa. New Orleans. Um, Prague. I really like Prague. And uh, Hamburg. Hamburg is, I would I would say, yeah, I would say Tampa and Hamburg are like in the top two. They're like right, you know, right on the, on the, on the cusp. Yeah. We keep going back to wrestling, but similar for that, he was pretty massive in Germany. And I've noticed, like, following your Instagram, you seem to be pretty popular in Germany. Yeah, yeah, I've been going there for quite a few years. And, uh, and yeah, really, really great, really huge supportive fan base over there that, that have been really awesome. And, uh, like, there was one, I mean, I just did a couple shows there, right? And, I mean, there was one fan that... Um, I think had said had been a fan for 11 years, you know, like remembered like first seeing like my shit on YouTube and then on TV and then coming to the shows live. And like, you know, when some of these fans are like at every show, sometimes multiple shows a tour, right. You you just kind of, you start seeing their familiar faces. Right. And, uh, and that was, that was one fan. I was like, Holy shit. That was pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're really great, you know, a supportive uh, group over there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, favorite uh, fan experience or worst fan experience <laughs> or audience mm. experience, I suppose you could say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to do these things because uh, I would just get really bored, right, on on tour, and I would just give away uh, comps, right, uh, to fans. Um, but 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 it would be fun. We'd make a contest out of it, you know. And um, I remember this is this was in Australia, and uh, and and uh, Honey Boo Boo was huge then. I don't know if Honey Boo Boo got big over in the UK, or but you may be familiar with it. This like That's total fucking neck family, yeah. And they would uh, they would make spaghetti, just absolutely disgusting, right? And they would just take like this spaghetti and put it in a bowl. Uh, or no, sorry, they would they would boil the noodles. I think she would boil the noodles, but then she would 
put ketchup, she would melt butter and ketchup together. And that was the pasta sauce. And they called it sketty. So that was like the spaghetti. And it like was the most revolting, like that's disgusting, right? And I didn't I didn't know how big Honey Boo Boo was like in Australia or anything like that. And I uh I just did I just threw like a tweet out because this is when Twitter was still pretty big. And and uh and I tweeted like first person to bring a Tupperware of Honey Boo Boo Sketty to the box office gets two tickets for tonight, right? And I got like these, uh, unfortunately, multiple ones, so they could only be one, you know, only one, one, one winner. And there was one that got there first, right? And because they would just let me, they didn't like back then, uh, the Triangle Show didn't really pay attention to what I was doing. So I was just doing all kinds of shit like that on my own. And uh, and yeah, all of a sudden, this like onslaught of disgusting, stinky, ketchup, buttery, sketty was arriving to the box office with, you know, these fans and stuff. And, uh, and, and of course, I had to go with the first one. And it was this dude. And I think he brought his girlfriend. And they were really nice, you know, nice people. Um, that was, you know, that was pretty interesting. There, I mean, there's been some, like, some scary ones, of course. Like, there was, uh, I, I don't want to get into it because I'm, I, I with, without, because I don't know what's happened to some of these people. And if they, if they happen to be listening, I'm not trying to speak ill of them, especially if maybe there might potentially be some underlying other things that make them act certain ways. So I don't want to say anything specific, uh, but like people definitely coming from great distances uh, under the wrong impression and, and, and popping out from behind dumpsters. Uh, there was one time we had to uh, actually put a picture of one at the, uh, at the back stage door, because, you know, sometimes people wait at stage door Um because it was it was that amount of like this person could be unstable, you know, uh, and scary. Um, but no, I'm, like other than that, most of them are pretty fun and pretty uh, pretty interesting. And like one time, there was an elderly couple I met at the hardware store, um, like 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 elderly, right? Like normally not a, a demographic that I would think I'd be, uh, you know, appealing to, and. Uh, had seen me like on TV and the uh, wife was describing how the husband liked to flick his floss at or chase her around or whatever. Like I did to Howie Mandel, you know, uh, on America's got talent. So that was, you know, when, when you run into and hear stories like that, that's pretty cool. Then there's, there's other stuff. That I don't want to share it. Cause it's, again, there's the other side of stuff. That's, you know, very, personal to some people you know it's the ones like those though that it's like shit i'm just doing magic tricks you know um like there's a there's been a lot where like i get you know emails like from people who have stopped uh from uh, committing suicide and stuff or even you know like and then there's like the other ones that uh are like because of how i present myself and 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 perform you know, maybe, maybe, and this has happened where they were like, you know, trans and stuff. And the, some of these are younger folks, you know, like teenagers or whatever. And that's made them feel my seeing me do something like this happened when I, when my foolish thing came out. Cause that, you know, was another, like I said, kind of TV exposure thing to a large group very quickly. And so I, I, you know, still even people will run across that clip for whatever reason, that one stands out. And I get emails from them saying like, like, yeah, like, you know, that I didn't feel comfortable being who I really am. This is who I really am. And, 
you know, when it's that stuff is crazy to not, not crazy in a bad way, but you know, like I was saying, yeah. I'm just doing magic. It's like, and when, when you kind of hear like, and especially when it's younger folks, you know, kids that are like 14 or 15. Right. And they're feeling a certain way, you know, and, and they just saw a clip of me doing a magic trick on TV, but for whatever reason that inspired them to feel that it's okay for them it took it took that for them to feel that they're okay it's just crazy and you know and and that's where even you know to come kind of in a circle again why i think it's important to respect you know the the secrets in the art of magic because that's a whole thing that like i i get a lot like i mean there's man been so many times where i've had people on stage that i've been interacting with and i can see self-harm scars on them you know, and then later find out, yeah, like that's what they used to do. And but hearing, watching my videos or whatever, they've laughed. They've just felt like inspired to change their way of thinking that was making them do that. You know, uh, nuts. Like and again, not nuts or crazy in a negative way, but just I still have a hard time Believe comprehending that. that. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, and that that I might just so. Sorry, I went off on a tangent again, but oh. like fan moments like that, that's really, that's really cool. And not from, not in an ego sense of like, look, you know, look what I did to, you know, yeah. to help that person tell me more. You know, it was just more like, oh my God, I don't tell me that because that makes me like, oh geez, you know, I'm glad, you know, everything's cool. But, you know, that's just the, some of the really uh, humbling and, and, and honoring, you know, really, you know, you feel honored that something that is so magic tricks you know but still you were able to make it make an audience person feel wonder amazement etc and then something even more positive beyond that you know it's pretty pretty deep you know it is it's uh, pretty great and it's not like in magic music tv film wrestling uh, even like a radio show or podcasts like and uh, I've, i haven't had to review to say someone like I don't know, I've had people say they enjoy my show and things like that, and I appreciate everyone who listens. But I've seen other people's shows and people who watches these shows, people who are struggling, and when they watch these shows or listen to these podcasts or such, it gives them like I don't know, you could say just something to not to live for, just for that, but it helps them cope with whatever they're doing, and they can find enjoyment in this certain thing where in uh-huh. everything else they don't find enjoyment and. That's one thing about magic, and that's why I said to you earlier, like using the wrestling term, I want it keeping kayfabe because people find an enjoyment. Say I watch magic the same as I watch a movie. I'm invested in it, and I just want to enjoy it, and it's an escape from everything else that's happening around you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So uh, next one, uh, I don't know if you're a video game player, but what's your favorite video game? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I, I, I was a little bit when I was uh, younger. Um, but uh, but no, I only I, and it was just during the pandemic. I, I got into Fortnite. Um, and, uh, you know, and actually one of the things uh, if, if you follow uh, it's a uh, it's it's called the anti gaming gaming show. If you follow look up anti gaming gaming show on 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 Instagram or on Twitch, um, we're actually going to start it back up in February. Um, but it's it's Fortnite. That's the only game I know how to play. My buddies are gamers. I am not. Uh, but none of us uh, had ever played Fortnite. But they got into it during the pandemic. And this is a 
a crazy streaming show that we kind of created and put together. And that's the extent of my gaming. And the whole point of it, too, is that we actually suck. And so it's like, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's the anti-gaming gaming show. We're not really gamers, but uh, and, and so, of course, we suck at it. And, and then the object is for the people watching to fuck with us live. Uh, and stuff so i mean if look it up it, it'll all explain itself if people want to see it but that's the extent of my video game experience really so none <laughs> pretty much cool and uh, last couple uh favorite uh, hobby i don't really have one i mean i i, I watch wrestling uh, i watch hockey those that's like my sport level i play yeah. bass but i don't really uh i don't really do anything i don't really have time for anything else you know uh, i'm i'm essentially an independent contractor i'm self-employed yeah. like the, it, it's not like the bat phone is ringing every day you know so i'm still i'm still chasing and still you know trying to to keep the the thing the machine whatever you want to call it the shark swimming and stuff so um yeah i, I listen to a lot of podcasts that's pretty much it just stuff you know background noise that's all i really have going cool. uh, the final one the funniest road story Hmm. This is where these are ones that it's like, man, of course, any of the good ones uh, you can't really share, maybe, but. Um, We're not PG, so you can say what you want. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm just trying to think of like, you know, an incriminating type stuff, man. Um, though, I mean, not incriminating, but even like embarrassing, like, should I even be talking about this in case the person, you know. Um, I had uh, I was doing a thing for a while where I was just bored and I was uh, I was like pranking uh, one of the acts in particular on the on this show on this tour and uh, and yeah just just bored and so I would just fuck with his dressing room when he was, you know, on stage. Now, not fuck with his dressing room in the sense of like anything destructive, but I would booby trap it, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. And so, uh, you know, I would I like toilet papered the inside and you know stuff like that. Um. And so, there was we we were in Australia, and there was you know the theater we were in, uh, performing arts center, and. And I had caught one of the tech guys hiding in my dressing room closet. So obviously, like, the game was afoot. You know, we were, like, shit was going down. So I booby-trapped my dressing room with a bag of flour. So, right. like, I rigged this whole, like, Hardy Boys, like, the, the book <laughs> uh, thing where, um, <laughs> you know, like, I had opened the door and I figured out just enough so that I, I knew how far to open the door so that I could slide in and out of my dressing room. And I marked it on the carpet in a piece of tape. So I knew I would open the door only so far I could get in and get out. If it opened beyond that, it would trip the cable that I had rigged holding the, the yeah. flower, which I had taken out a ceiling tile to like rig it up in there. So it would flip and dump and dump, you know, dump flour all. I don't even remember where I got the bag of flour, but it would dump this flour all over the person that was in. So I essentially would antique them right live. And so, um, <clears throat> so, uh, I, I had doves with me cause I was doing my bird spot. And so I, uh, I had left a note on the dressing room door to the cleaning staff 
please do not clean my dressing room for the safety of the birth, you know. And uh, and I left like my garbage bin outside the door so they don't need to come in, right? Because I left it rigged up, you know, because I was like, I put a lot of time into this. If it's not happening today, it'll happen tomorrow. Somebody, they're going to try to fuck with me, right? And so, uh, but what had happened was, you know, whatever, I, you know, go out that night and, you know, with one of the, the, the crew guy that I had bu- busted, you know, trying to get my room. And we went, you know, to some bar, whatever, and, you know, carried on and, you know, like you do, you know, on the road, partied it up and what have you. And, and I, I remember I got a call at like five in the morning, you know, and I'm just like groggy and all fucking, you know, whatever. We have all day until the show that night. So I just planned on sleeping, you know, late and whatever. And so it was the producer and he was like, you're on speakerphone. Uh, do you have flour in your dressing room? And no, he said, uh, he said, what is, what, what was in the bag? What's in the bag in your dressing room? I can't remember how he said it initially. And so I was like, what is this? You know, what's going on here? So I was like, no, I don't know. Don't know what you're talking about. You know? So I just denied it. Right. And, and then he was like, no, you're on speakerphone. We know there was something in your dressing room. Yes or no. Was that flower? And now I'm going, what the fuck? Yes. Yeah. It was flower. Yeah. And it was okay. long story short concept had fucked and like backfired on me um there the building the performing arts center was i guess technically a government facility right or a government owned and because of how it is they have security that walks a beat through the whole building every night and even though i put the note on the door for uh you know cleaning and nobody to enter he still was required to go inside you know, so he had to, regardless, he still had to go inside every dressing room to check to make sure it's all clear, right? And this dude, uh, I guess, you know, whatever, had never experienced any sort of interaction of any kind with any sort of threat or danger, being the security guard, because he went ahead and opened the door. My My gag had worked because he triggered the whole setup he got doused in the flower, but all he saw was white powder and yeah. gets you know it on him and is now convinced he's it's a dry chemical, right? Yeah. And and runs out of the uh building and goes to the hospital, right? Abandoned, like leaves his job, and and this happened at like three in the morning, right? So he's probably going through with a flashlight, fucking goes in, boom, you know, gets nailed with this shit. What the fuck, you know, and can't get it off, runs out. Like, because when I came in the next day, I could see, like, in the flower, like, you could see the footprints and, like, clearly, like, this panicky, like, what the fuck? And then the footprints going, you know, down the hall. And so he was convinced that it was a dry chemical and a terrorist attack. And there was a dry, because he's at the hospital and he's convinced himself it's burning, you know? And the doctors are going, we don't know what this is. It's fucking flour, which doesn't tell you a whole lot about the Brisbane, Australia, like fucking medical, you know, shit. It's fucking flour, right? And so I guess like all this stuff had gone down uh, where they were calling the producer and and like, yeah, the local government of people had to get involved. Like, I don't know what they have FBI over there, but you know, something where they're having to potentially call in and investigate because they think it was like some sort of terrorist attack because they couldn't figure out what the hell this shit was. It came from the ceiling. He didn't, you know, know. And so they were like, not going to let people in because they didn't know, like, was this anthrax? Like, what the fuck is this shit? And it's like, dude, it's, 
fucking flower. You know, like look in the ceiling, there's a back. You know, so that was one thing that happened. I can you know, probably share wow, that story. So that happened. <laughs> We're not popping that. <laughs> cool. Well done. It's been a pleasure to have you. But before we go, tell everyone where they can find you, your YouTube, your social media, and your upcoming gigs. Yeah, I mean, you can just go to Dan Sperry, D-A-N-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. That's my website. That'll portal you out to everything else, Instagram, YouTube. I don't go on Twitter so much. Uh, I don't go on there at all anymore. Uh, and uh, and uh, Facebook, uh, it's just Dan Sperry official. Everything else is at Dan Sperry. And, you know, yeah, DanSperryStore.com. That's where everybody can get their fancy schmancy things with all their Christmas money that they got. Awesome. Well done, absolute pleasure. And yeah, hopefully once uh, everything's calmed down and you get over here in the UK, uh, we'll have to do this next time in person. For sure, yeah, we'll do it uh, definitely. Cool. Thanks very much. And yeah, so hopefully see you soon. Right on. Thanks for having me.